Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh, how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your Ikea items for store credit. Or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier. It is Tuesday morning, so you know what that means. We have Cousin Sal on the show. Sal, great to see you. Yeah! I'm so glad you had me back. I wasn't sure if you're going to, but I filled in, uh, I think, for Geno Smith nicely, so you had me back. Good job by you. You did a great job, Sal. We appreciate that here. And if you can't tell, I am in my parents' basement right now in North Carolina uh, with all my Christmas garb behind me. So we, we've had a nice little uh, a setup here, a little remote setup. And uh, I got to watch this Monday night football game at home in North Carolina. And boy, Sal, was it a good football game. It didn't start out that way. We didn't even know if, know if we'd even have the starting quarterbacks going into this game. But Jalen Hurts decided to play. And Drew Locke played like a starting quarterback in that game. And let's just get down to it. The Seahawks, an amazing game-winning drive there. And Drew Lock is the story of this game. His fourth game-winning drive of his NFL career. I never thought I'd be saying that, Sal. What did you see in this game on Monday night? Well, first of all, your boy right in your backyard there, uh, Bryce Young, put together a pretty good game-winning drive of his own, 93 yards, I think, before they settled for the two-yard field goal, whatever it was. And now, this might have been the best drive of the year. Was it 94, I think, for Drew Lock And the interview of the year after yeah. the game with Lisa Salters. It was like such an oh-shucks moment. Uh, he actually kind of gave himself a pep talk throughout the interview. It's like, I still got it. I still got it. And it was great to see lots of fun when you see these, you know, these quarterbacks are not in the limelight every week, uh, shining. It's a great move. Yeah, Pete Carroll, very happy to have Kenneth Walker have a great game here, uh, you know, with a touchdown, 86 yards in this game. And Drew Locke, he just clicked at the end of this game. And, and like you said, Lisa Salters kept asking him to put into words how he felt. He couldn't quite put it into words, but you could feel how he was feeling about this big-time moment in Seattle. Always tough to to win on the road. And uh, in this particular setting, it was yeah. tough for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's talk about them a little bit. because Well, Lisa Salters, by the way, wasn't – yeah, you're right. She would not give up. I think she wanted him to do, put in skywriting what he – felt in his heart and it just wasn't happening and then it all came out so good for you Lisa Salter you persevered and we got the answer of the year yes yeah, sideline reporters doing the Lord's work there and getting an answer <laughs> from Drew Locke that we needed to hear but let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles who are looking for answers right now and uh Jalen Hurts struggled in this game, two interceptions in the in the fourth quarter and one at the end of the game when they were trying to go down to tie it up with a field goal. Um, are we concerned? Are we hitting the panic button when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles at this point, Sal? Not so much with Hurts because I do think he was actually sick, and I think he had like 12 or 13 carries. They didn't really treat him as a sick quarterback as right. he was. He flew separately from the team and then got in there, and they, they had like design draw plays for him, which obviously helped him move the chains a little bit. But aside from the tush push, I think they gave him a little too much to do the rest of the team is a little bit in trouble here they're not as tough as they once were if you look at the box score this is a typical eagles game right um 
178 to 100 on the ground, 23 first downs to 16. They controlled the clock by, I think, five minutes, and then they blew it. This is not Eagles football we're used to in the past. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, 13 carries, 82 yards, and two touchdowns. So he did make up a little bit there for the interceptions. But overall, if you're a Philadelphia fan, you could see the frustration on Jason Kelsey's face. There was just a lot of people on the sidelines who were uh, very upset about what was going on. But there was one man who was very happy about what was going on. That's because he was eating in a box, and that was Big Tom. <laughs> So uh, shout out to Big Tom. He did have a nice game there in Seattle. He was a little disappointed too, but not because of what was going on in the field. There was no deli mustard in the luxury box, which is a terrible thing. You right. don't do that to Big Dom. They just said regular yellow mustard. And he yeah. said, where's my Dijon at? Where's my brown mustard? He needs something up there. So uh, shout out to Big Dom. Honestly, getting suspended looks like it's a pretty good gig, Sal. So uh, maybe. Let's try it, Tate. Let's say something awful and see if we can get suspended. And, um, well, let's, uh, how know. about you call Richard Mendenhall and then we'll figure it out. And then. Okay. Uh, all right, <laughs> I'll do that. You know, by the way, I do want to make that that uh, was it Julian Love? Is that the one with the interceptions? Two hundred yes. big two interceptions, as good of interceptions as you'll see on Jalen Hurts. Uh, that second one was crazy. Credit Brown, the other defender, his own teammate, for keeping that left foot in bounds inadvertently. If you get to see the play again, check it out. I know they looked at it for five minutes, but that was a spectacular play. And shout out to Troy Aikman, who called it on the ground there. I mean, he saw it live, and he said, I think the left toe got down there before the right foot got down. So an incredible interception. And also, since we're doing shout-outs here, shout out to DK Metcalf, who was basically you know uninvolved in the game at any level until that last drive when he had a huge catch that led them down for the touchdown catch to Jackson Smith and Jigba and uh, yeah a great day for the Seattle Seahawks and all the Seahawks fans out there and it really helped their playoff picture to say the least so uh, good news for all the Seattle fans and now Sal we get to do one of my favorite things and play one of my favorite games you know what it is overreactions underreactions are you ready to play this week because we got some good ones I'm ready to play only because it's one of your favorite games until you move this out of your top five favorite games that we'll, we'll continue to play well, I appreciate that. I'm like the Drew Locke of the show right now. Just put me in the okay. game, and I'm, uh, I'm going to have a good time. Let's start here because Drew Locke carved this guy up. The Eagles letting Matt Patricia call defensive plays is a mistake. Is that an overreaction <laughs> or an underreaction? Uh, I'm going to say an overreaction only because it drives the Patriots fans crazy that he's got a, a position of prominence, and that makes me happy. And look, th their defense didn't look that bad until that last drive, right? They held, they still held them under 300 yards. It would have been like 210, 220 if not for that last drive. But uh, I can't believe it was such a secret, like, that they hired this guy. It was really big. It's not like they gave Big Dom the position at a Christmas party. Everybody was boozed up, and they made a mistake. This is a guy with a name, Matt Patricia, like him or not, personality-wise. Gave, they gave him the position. They try to hide it, which is weird to me. Yeah, and he's got the pencil back in his ear. And obviously, yeah. I mean, he's had the experience, won Super Bowls with Bill Belichick, was a head coach in Detroit, so he has the experience. But uh, calls cover one robber there, gets a man on an island, and Jackson Smith and Jigba makes him pay. So Matt Patricia, even though he did have a good game prior to that last drive, that last drive will haunt the Eagles fans as they look back at the tape. Let's keep it pushing here, Sal. The, Re the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. Simple as that. Overreaction or underreaction? Going to win? Oh, I thought they were going to. Oh, no, they're going to win. No, they're going to win the Super Bowl, Sal. Oh, oh. Oh, uh, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Well, no, no, I don't think so. In fact, um, they'd have to get through the team they're playing this week, and they could lose by 40 to them. So I'm going to say I'm going to say that's an underreaction for now. Although for the AFC, they are putting it together. They have everything they need. They're running, you know, they're running the ball. I know they got the kid out with the uh, ACL injury. That's not good. 
Mitchell. But Lamar Jackson seems to have things under control, seems to be a quarterback that's not going to blow leads. My big question was, is the Mark Andrews absence, is that going to be big? But likely is stepping in and doing a nice job. I think defensively, as long as they're healthy, they're as good as the other teams in contention, the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Um, and, you know, I don't know about the Bills, if they're even going to make it in. So they're the team to beat in the AFC, I believe, for now. I wouldn't say they win the Super Bowl, though. Yeah, they have clinched a pay- playoff spot, the only team in the AFC to do so. I do think OBJ is a nice wild card factor for them. He's looking yeah. like the OBJ that we saw when the you know the Rams went and won the Super Bowl. So something to keep an eye on there. Another guy to keep an eye on, Gardner Minshew. And here we go, Sal. Gardner Minshew will lead the Colts to a playoff win this season. Overreaction oh. or underreaction? Uh, I'm going to say overreaction. And maybe this is biased because I have the Colts to not make the playoffs because I thought they were they were dead to rights beginning of the year. Right. You know, obviously they had trouble with the owner and the whole thing with Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor doesn't even really play. And, you know, uh, Anthony Richardson is out. I mean, how are they even really doing this? They're probably going to make the playoffs. But to say they're going to win a game, if I'm a two seed, it would be either the Chiefs or the Dolphins. That's the team I'm least afraid of, the Colts coming into town. If you look at the others, I'd rather have the Colts than a team like the Browns or a tough AFC North team who's going to play defense and grind you out. So I'm going to say overreaction. And as Bill Simmons like to say, there's some teams that are happy to be here. I do think Gardner Minshew and the Colts in the playoffs would be very happy to be here. In a he team. and his mustache are happy to be here. Yes. That's what he'd say. Yeah, that, right. that, that, that might be an exact quote. Maybe we'll just use that for the show. We'll, we'll sub that one in. Uh, Sal, the Chargers head coaching position is the best available job in the NFL. Overreaction Ooh. or underreaction? It's a good one. You get to live in L.A. You get to see you every week unless you sell your tickets, right? I don't know. You have season tickets there. So if they look up in the stands, they can see you. I think it is a, a little bit of an overreaction. I think there's going to be some jobs in the South divisions that open up, right? So if Atlanta or Tampa coaches uh, get canned, those jobs are pretty good. Tennessee, another one, only because those divisions don't feature Patrick Mahomes, much like the, the Chargers do. So that's why I would like those jobs over uh, a Chargers position. So Gardner Minshew is in the mix, as is Desmond Ritter in the, for those teams who might get coaches fired. Yeah, there you go. Uh, if you had to close your eyes, Sal, and just try to picture who the best version or the best coach would be for the Chargers, do you have someone in mind? I mean, I've heard Bill Belichick. I've okay. heard... You know, Jim Harbaugh. Is there anyone that you see and you're saying, that feels like the Chargers head coach? All right, I'm closing my eyes, and it's uh, Debbie Gibson, and I'm 17 years old. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm playing a different game. Go ahead, Tate. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. sorry. That's my uh, sixth favorite. Yeah. Uh, that's I'm a good one. Uh, next up, Tommy DeVito and his agent's 15 minutes of fame are officially up, Sal. Overreaction <laughs> or underreaction? Uh, let me check my Gucci watch to see if the 15 minutes are up. <laughs> we have 15 minutes for this segment, too, so I don't know. Um, I, I'm going to say, I'm, I hope you're wrong, but uh, I'm going to say underreaction. I called it Linguini Sanity, much like Lynn Sanity. I think it was over. Tommy DeVito had the big game against the Packers. The agent, you know, we saw him for the first time. He's kissing Tommy DeVito's father in the stands. He's doing the thing with his hand, the annoying thing. The next week, he's wearing the Italian-American outfit that he won or whatever he was given uh, after making it to the Italian-American. It seems like enough, right? It seems like it should end there. We saw that performance against the Saints. I think it's going to be it. Look, it was perfect. It was, it, was, it was packed with greatness, and now it's like it's succession. You don't want to go an extra season. End it right now, Tommy DeVito and the agent. Perfect. And I will say Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones is probably the biggest winner of this situation. (laughs) He's probably the biggest one celebrating. He's the one that wants the 15 minutes to be up right now. But uh, the Tommy DeVito run, um, you call it Linguini Sanity. Uh, 
I thought that was a good name for it. I, I, I should get so much more credit for that, Tate. That's so good. I mean, what uh, what, what compares to that? But go ahead. I'm not. And how did no so one sell that? You know what yeah. I mean? In the world of aggregators, I thought everyone would jump on that, Sal. Thank so. you, buddy. Yeah. Shout out to Tommy DeVito. Shout out to his agent. It was fun while it lasted. I saw Todd McShay was upset with the Italian stallion of sports agents from their high school days. So maybe he's got a second 15 minutes uh, when he puts it. <laughs> so uh, that's the good news there. And uh, Tommy DeVito, it's good to be a backup in the NFL. Uh, yeah. Last one, Sal. The Cowboys' success depends on home field advantage. Obviously, they're a different team when they play mm. Overreaction or underreaction? Uh, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. All right, I, we've seen them play good on the road. They played well against the Eagles. They played well against your Carolina Panthers. I mean, that it was a formidable squad. They they played on the road. No, um, look, they got beat up on Sunday, but I don't care where that game was played. They they were run all over the place. Right? They got bullied on the offensive line and the defensive line. If that game is played in one of the seven gigantic stadium-sized empty Spotify rooms out here in LA, they're still gonna lose that game. You can't run on a team like that and expect to win, whether it's at home or on the road. So slight bit of an an overreaction. I'd still rather have the games at home though. Yeah, I would like the games at home as well. And I think just seeing Jerry in the box, right? We we just have too much fun getting those cutaways of Jerry Jones in the box and, and seeing who's up there with him. So I think that's always a good time. Are we worried about Dak's MVP chances after that game? <laughs> yeah, that's it. MVP conversation? No, I know. We, we I, Look, I, I did what I could. I, I tried to throw his name out there. I right. said Purdy has McCaffrey and everything, but Purdy is now minus 200 or minus 250. Dak is like fourth or fifth. It, that's all it takes is one game, and you could be done. So I'm not going to fight it anymore, Tate. I will say, if you went back to us in August, uh, in the middle of August, and said Brock Purdy is going to win MVP of the NFL, I think we all would have laughed in your face and probably pushed you down. I think it was 25 to 1, yeah, coming uh, mid-August. So So there you go. Shout out to Brock Purdy. Uh, He's making things happen. And now we got to make things happen. we got to hit up the riverboat uh, question of the week and do some prop culture and hit up the captain. And the question this week, Sal, is what is the biggest middle finger moment of 2023? Um, great question from the captain here. And we got the odds. The Titans wearing Houston Oilers jerseys versus the Texans 4-1. to one. We got Andre 3000 of Outkast dropping an album where he just plays a flute at 10-1. to one. We got Kanye West rapping about killing Pete Davidson at 20-1 wow. to one. What a time. We got Marcus Jordan and Larsa Pippen's wedding plans at 40-1. to one. Or you could take the field at even odds. What say you, Cousin Sal? What is the biggest middle finger moment of 2023? Oh, there's so many, Tate. There really are. We can do like an hour on this. You want to do an hour on this? No, forget it. We'll we'll put some, you know, it could be UCLA and USC, the middle finger to the Pac-12. But, you know, I'm going to go with the middle finger Shohei Otani gave to the Los Angeles Angels, or maybe his interpreter gave the finger. I don't know how it works, but here's a guy. They held on to him, right? They could have traded him at the end of July. They would have gotten a bounty for him, but... You know, they he led them to believe that he was in the running and the Angels were in the running to get re-signed right there in the offseason. And what does he do? He goes Hollywood on everyone right down the road. Big middle finger to the Angels as they could see him driving away right up the five there to L.A. So that would be my pick. What do you think? I, I think that's a great pick because it adds insult to injury that they also are going to pay him $2 million a year yeah. uh, before he actually ends his contract, right? Uh, or until he gets back. Absolutely. 
contract. Yeah. That's an even bigger middle finger. So I think that's a good one. I, I think I got another one, Sal, for you in Los Angeles. How about mm-hmm. the Los Angeles Lakers hanging a banner for the in-season tournament uh, right next to the actual championship banners? I think. That, oh, that's stupid too. Yeah. That's a middle finger to all the the Lakers legends out there. You know, shout out to James Worthy. Shout out to Magic mm-hmm. Johnson. Now you got this in-season tournament banner right next <laughs> to your actual championships. That's a middle finger to all the Lakers fans, in my opinion. I don't yeah, know. they should have just put a banner up of a middle finger. It would have been less uh, obvious, a little, little less subtle, I think. Yeah, LeBron's middle finger with the ring on it. That would have been great. Maybe maybe we get that figured out and put up there. Maybe that's the statue that they put out there for the Lakers. That's perfect. All right, there you have it, the biggest middle finger moment. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have more Cousin Sal, and we're going to do some line look-aheads of Week 16. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're still here with Cousin Sal, and we're doing what we always do. We're doing some line look-ahead, Sal. Are you excited for this? Are you fired up? I'm ready to go. Yeah, I like to look back and try to make money on the games <laughs> I lost, but looking ahead is also good, so let's yeah. do it. Yeah, I love hindsight. Hindsight is uh, the best vision that anybody could have, and uh, a lot of people in the sports world, they love hindsight as well. Let's start with some look-aheads, though, because that's, uh, that's what we like to do here. We got the New Orleans Saints taking on the Los Angeles Rams. Rams minus four in this game. Rams in the playoff picture right now is the seventh seed. How do you feel about this line, Sal? Well, it's got to be, got to be better than last Thursday's garbage, garbage <laughs> game. But anyway, back here in L.A., the Rams, I think four is fine. I think I guessed like three and a half, but... Uh, Saints have their work cut out for them. They just don't move the ball up and down the field like uh, like a real playoff team would and should, but their defense is good. A lot of studs on the offensive line, uh, end for the Rams. I can't think about this game without remembering that terrible 2019 game. Of course, I had the Saints, the non-PI call that killed me in the mm. NFC Championship game, and Tate had the Saints won. I had so much money, I would not be sitting here with you right now. I might be sitting with you, but I, I'd have like a gold beanbag or something. It would be yeah. different for sure. If I remember correctly, I think you like lost your house on that bet or something like that. There there was something uh, yeah. you know nefarious that was happening on the back end, and Sean Sean Payton still hasn't gotten over that game, and I don't blame him for that fact because it was a little incredulous. Let's track to the future here, Sal. We got the NFC South winner right now. Tampa Bay is the favorite at minus 135. You can get New Orleans right now at plus 155. Is there any value in taking the Saints, or are we buying in uh, into Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, I think both. I think there is a tiny bit of value at plus 155 because they play New Year's Day. They play a right. uh, New Year's Eve, rather, a week from Sunday, I can't figure out these holidays, Tate. <laughs> it's Either too way, much. I think that, yeah, it's going to come down to that. Tampa is home for that. So if you have plus 155 with the Saints and you really think that's going to be the game that determines the NFC South, then you are getting a little bit of value. But I do have the Saints to win that division. I did it with Joe House and Simmons. I don't know why we love this bet a month ago, but we're kicking ourselves for doing it because it's not a great watch. Baker is so much more exciting, and Tampa is probably going to take the division. But I have to stick with the Saints here. 
Yeah, the uh, the entire NFC South is just filled with quarterbacks that just really don't check the box. And uh, Baker Mayfield, though, did have a perfect passer rating for the first time there in Green Bay. So he, yeah. he did give a little bit of op- optimism there. Uh, quick tangent. I mean, Baker Mayfield is on a one-year deal. So, I mean, how much value does he have around the league um, if he continues to play like this? Is there a world in which Baker Mayfield actually gets like a good deal this offseason? That's kind of crazy. I was, I was thinking yes, for sure. And uh, also, what if Cleveland had just stuck with Baker Mayfield and right. not paid Deshaun Watson $750? billion dollars i mean that would have been the way to go right would you how confident would you be in the browns yeah i mean they they were upset about all the uh, insurance commercials but in reality Mm -hmm. they had a franchise quarterback it looks like and he was their number one pick so uh denzel ward still working out there the guy they took number four so they could have had everything going there in cleveland uh shout out to baker mayfield playing some good football right now let's keep it going let's do another line look ahead let's look at cincinnati taking on the pittsburgh steelers steelers plus two and a half in this game do you like pittsburgh here or do you like cincinnati sal I like Pittsburgh just a little bit. I mean, Jake mm. Browning on the road giving points. I know, what 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 should I say? I mean, he's thrown close to 80% completion rate. Uh, he's been great. They have the game advantage over the Steelers, but we're finally going to find out if Mitch Trubisky and <laughs> Mason Rudolph are the same person. I don't think yes. they are. I don't think they are. I've, I've actually seen them both in a different room together. Uh, they're going to be in the unemployment employment line together probably down the road. Uh I think I'm going to go Steelers here. I hate it, yeah. but I think I'm going to. Yeah, I think they start a podcast with each other. Uh, and Jake Browning <laughs> had a nice little moment there. Uh, you know, after the Vikings game, he told the story about how he got cut, said he didn't want to, you know, tell, you know, get too excited before the game. And uh, it was nice to see him to have his kind of redemption there in the press conference. Yeah. Let's track to the future. Uh, Cincinnati to get to win over nine and a half games right now. If you take yes, you can get that number at plus 164. If you say no, it's at minus 205. Do you like taking yes here and betting on Jake Browning? in Cincinnati I might like the yes I'm going to contradict myself a little because I'm saying take the Steelers plus the points here but I will say this Tate you got to do some shopping during the holiday season right yeah so if you like over nine and a half that's better than the Cincinnati Bengals to make the playoffs to make the playoffs is plus 176 to go Mm. over nine and a half is plus 164 there is a world where a 10 and 7 team gets left out of the playoff picture in the AFC side so I would rather have the over nine and a half than the, to make the playoffs bet. Shop around, Tate. Don't be stupid. Yeah, go shop around. And, uh, you know, you you made a great point there because the tiebreaker could hurt Cincinnati in the end because of that slow start, especially in the division. So right. um, there's some value just taking them to win 10 games and you don't have to worry about the playoff implications and the tiebreaker rules. Uh, let's stay in the AFC North. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns taking on the Houston Texans. Texans minus two and a half in this game. How do we feel about Houston here, Sal? The line is laid out as if C.J. Stroud is playing, so you have to trust it there. I I don't know what to think of Joe Flacco. He looks so good and so (laughs) bad at times, right? So as far as a a quarterback that threw three interceptions, he really did make some nice downfield throws. So you can't count the Browns out. They are in the driver's seat. I think they're going to get to 10 wins, and the Texans are right there. I've I've pushed for D'Amico Ryan's to be the coach of the year. And if he's doing it with not even Davis Mills, right? Case Keenum, um, you got to really consider him at this point. But I think two and a half is fair if it is Stroud uh, yeah. calling uh- sixth place. Yeah, I like that. Uh, let's track to the future. Let's look at the AFC South because right now Jacksonville, who just lost to the Ravens this past Sunday, now we got a nice little tie there. But Jacksonville still is the favorite at minus one thirty. We got the Colts at plus two sixty and uh, plus two sixty, and then we got the Texans at plus two seventy. Um, do we buy the Houston Texans if they do have CJ Stroud being able to backdoor their way into winning this division? I think it's tough because they lose the tiebreaker as do the Colts to Jacksonville. It comes down to have who has the most luscious 
uh, locks, I think, as for a quarterback, <laughs> and that is Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence not out of concussion protocol just yet. Of course, it's Monday, so that could be a problem. But even if he doesn't play this game this weekend, they have the Panthers and the Titans. Those are the last two. If they take two of the last three, I think they're in good shape, and minus 130 is not a bad price. Yeah, it's a good number, good value there. Uh, just going back to the Cleveland Browns and Joe Flacco, what about Joe Flacco, comeback player of the year? I haven't heard a lot of conversations about that, Sal, but I don't know if there's a bigger comeback than Joe Flacco being a starting quarterback on Sundays. I mean, that, that's been one of the most shocking revelations of the season, at least from my vantage point. I thought Baker was up there, too. I right. brought that up with Simmons the other day. Uh, Baker, uh, Lamar is up there, but I think because nobody really, really emerged out of this group DeMar Hamlin sits at the major favorite at minus 600. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to be heartless to take it away from him at this point. Yeah, you you cannot take it away. He's been the the big favorite the entire season. You and I have been trying to figure out what this award is, but it seems like it should be called the DeMar Hamlin Award. All right, Sal, next game, we've got the Detroit Lions taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Vikings getting three points, plus three in this game. Who do you like in this one? Well, I, I kind of I think it's a little bit of a trap game. We saw everything we needed to out of the Lions. That way they came out of gangbusters against a hot Denver team. Maybe they regress a little bit here against a mm. Vikings team that needs it more. Detroit, don't forget, they're not going to get a one seed. They're not going to catch the 49ers, and they're not going to get a four seed. They're not going to drop to those seven wins, seven loss teams in the NFC South. So they're going to get a two or three. I don't think they care or know if they want a two or three seed means more to the Vikings. I feel like this is the right number. Remember, Detroit gave the Bears three on the road, uh, and that didn't work out great. So be a little wary. Be cautious of taking those Lions this week. And it's a tough place to play, U.S. Bank Stadium there in Minnesota. Yeah. So that, that'll be a fascinating game. Let's track to the future. Vikings to make the playoffs. Yes, right now you can get it plus 100, no minus 122. Are you buying the idea of the Minnesota Vikings making the playoffs? Uh, that, I mean, I bought it. I already bought it. It was a preseason <laughs> futures bet of mine, another one I'm not proud of. So I do have the Vikings to make the playoffs. And, you know, I'm not jazzed about it. They, you know, they won all their one-score games last year. They seem to be losing all of them this year. That was a tough one Saturday against Cincinnati. Nick Mullins did a lot of things right, but he could not convert in overtime on third and inches and then fourth and inches. And that was the difference there. Uh, they have the Lions. What do they have? They have to split with the Lions. They have two yep. this week and week 18. They have to beat the Packers at home. That's the path. That's the only way they're going to do it. I think they barely get it done. Well, that's all you got to do. You got to have a path. So the fact that the Vikings do have a path, I like yes at plus 100. So there you go. Let's talk about your Dallas Cowboys. They're taking no. on the... <laughs> okay, we don't have to. We can ignore it. Uh, we got the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins minus one and a half in this game. This should be a fascinating game. Do you believe in the Cowboys on the road, Sal? Obviously just struggled against the Buffalo Bills. Well, the, the only good thing is that I think the Dolphins got bullied by the Bills more than the Cowboys did, if that's possible. But <laughs> right. I did not like what I saw in the line of scrimmage. I did not like what Mike McCarthy put forth. And, of course, I wasn't impressed with Dak's performance here um this is a weird game because neither team it's not a must win for either team i feel like the dolphins are gonna cinch up that afc east and then seeding you never really know i don't think they're gonna catch the one dallas is gonna be locked into the five i'm pretty sure about that i think it's a fair line i thought there would be public money on the cowboys going in but this is a good game it's gonna be a good test and uh for the cowboys sake i hope tyree kill just sits it out get some more rest tyree yeah, rest, rest, Tyreek. Just sit out and uh, let the Cowboys get back on track. Let's track to the future here. Let's look at the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Right now, Christian McCaffrey is the favorite at minus 160, and Tyreek Hill, as we aforementioned, he is there at plus 125. Is there some money there uh, that you can make on betting Tyreek Hill, or is it kind of a foregone conclusion that McCaffrey is going to be the guy? 
Well, it's so close. I mean, right between these two, you know, I, I don't know what you're watching. If you say, oh, it's definitely McCaffrey or it's definitely <laughs> right. Hill. Well, but you might be a fan that, of the 49ers or, or the Dolphins yes, if you're making yeah, those arguments. It. it might be something <laughs> like that. But the fact that Hill sat out last week, that really could be the difference. They're that close. Like Hill was about to or on pace to break the receiving record. McCaffrey just scores every week. You can't ask for more out of either player. So you're asked really, do you go with the guy whose quarterback is being considered for MVP or do you go with the guy who has a running back teammate who has 20 touchdowns. I ask you, Tate, which one mm. do you go with? I think I go with the guy, Christian McCaffrey, who honestly should be the MVP. Uh, I, I don't understand how we've gotten to a position where the MVP just has to be a quarterback. I mean, we joked about uh, the defensive player of the year, you know, not being even in the conversation earlier in the year when Micah Parsons was playing so great. We're like, why is he not in the MVP conversation, right, early on? Um, it just feels like it's a quarterback award, and uh, I'm putting my fist down, Sal. I feel like Christian McCaffrey should be the wow. MVP. So there you go. That's what I'm. That's what I'm what, arguing. Tate, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw uh, some oil on the fire here. Here's Please. why the quarterback should be MVP because he is the most valuable position. That's the most mm. valuable position. Your mother, you love your mother. God bless her. She <laughs> yes. should win the MVP of the year in your house, right? Even if <laughs> right. dad had a good year, maybe brought in more money, maybe it built a deck out back. Doesn't yeah. matter. Mom's the MVP every year, right? Yeah, every single year, and she's making dinner upstairs right now. I am the uh, the definition of someone in the in their basement of their parents' house talking about sports. So uh, it's Why happening is she upstairs. making dinner? It's like eight in the morning on the, on the West Coast. What's <laughs> the matter with her? Well, she's got to get prepared. You got to <laughs> marinate all the all the stuff. Okay. So you know how it goes. Uh, right, last go last game for us to look <laughs> ahead. We got the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. This line is uh, you know eye popping to say the least. Chiefs minus ten in this game. How do we feel about the Raiders taking on Kansas City? So yeah, Kansas City. Beat Beat them 31-17. I don't even think it was that close um, the last time they played. They have to get it going. They have to get it together. Even beating the Patriots, that looked bad for a minute. I mean, Zappi went 16 for 18. So there's no quarterback that could really put up bad numbers for sure against this Chiefs defense. And I still think they need to catch some play. Uh, listen, this is a money line play for me for the Chiefs if you can find two other dance partners for it but otherwise I'm staying away from this spread yeah this is an absolute stay away from my vantage point let's track to the future Kansas City Chiefs win total at 11 and a half you can take the over at plus 100 or the under at minus 122 is there any value in in, in believing in the Chiefs to win over to win 12 games this season Sal I don't think there's value because you could take it game by game and right get there they have to win three in a row obviously they're nine and five so to win six years in a row to hit 12 or more games, which is astounding. They have to win their last three Raiders Bengals and at the chargers. That's uh, let me spell that out for you. O'Connell Browning and Easton stick. They mm. should get it done for a six year in a row. Despite the fact that Kadarius Tony seems to be playing for the other team every game. Yeah, Kadarius Tony is the most valuable player for the uh, the opposing team. That is what he's going to win this year. Um, Sal, let's do the Tate debate. This is uh, something that we've had a lot of fun with. I come up oh. with something off the board. Um, we're going to do an over-under here. I don't know if you saw this. The Panthers game this past Sunday against the Falcons, despite winning the game, Sal, tickets were going for as low as $0.45 cents to get into the building. Um, Club-level seats are around $44. Um, there's been no report at the actual attendance, but I did pull up the lowest attended game, and they started doing attendance back in 1990. So the lowest attended NFL game was December 15th, 1996. The Houston Oilers, who are not even an NFL franchise, uh, hosted Cincinnati, and there was 15,000 fans there. I do not think there were there were 15,000 people there in Bank of America Stadium. Um, this week, as we look at the Christmas Eve game, uh, over under, Sal, 55 cents when we look at the Panthers. You're going to take the over or the under there this week on Sunday on Christmas mm. Eve. I, 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 don't, I don't feel good about it. I, I'm going to take the under. 
Five people probably think you're making that 45 cent number up. No, I'm that not. That is what it was going on the secondary market. Yes. I think David Tepper, if he's smart and he's not, he needs to lower these prices. <laughs> they have to be in the 34 to 37 cent range. Tate, that's the only top way anyone's going to get there. You're only a few miles down the road from there. How much would they have to pay you to go to this game? I think the gas money to get there, Sal, would, uh, would actually cost a whole lot more than getting into the building. Um, oh, yeah. So that, that would be the real big problem. But these are Great Depression you know, prices. So, uh, you know, <laughs> and it is a Great Depression for everybody that's watching Panthers football right now, despite the wind on Sunday. So uh, it does check out in that sense. Uh, Dave Tepper, he, he got booed by everybody. Even my Aunt Reba was booing him at the last game that she really? was there, Sal. So everybody's upset with this guy. I, I think he has the least approval rating of any owner um, that they've ever had in the city, and they've had some bad owners. So uh, that says something about the Panthers right now. Yeah, when Aunt Reba's uh, uh, heckling you, you know there's trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of trouble. Uh, Sal, thanks so much for joining us, as always. Where can we find all your amazing work here at The Ringer? Of course, we got Cousin Sal's winning weekend on Friday. And where else can we see all your work? That's it. Against All Odds, a podcast on The Ringer Podcast Network. And like you said, Cousin Sal's winning weekend and The Ringer Wise Guys on FanDuel TV. Enjoy dinner, Tate. Uh, eight hours early, <laughs> albeit you're going to love it. Well, that's why my mom's the MVP. She gets it ready and prepared (laughs) for everybody. Most valuable uh, preparedness. That's what she goes for. Uh, Appreciate you, Sal. And uh, coming up, we got Kevin O'Connor to join the show and talk about the NBA. Come right back, and we'll see you then. As a plant-based cheese company, Daya has never talked about beef in an ad before. Because someone somewhere once had a beef with saying beef and plant-based together. So putting a slice of Daya cheese on a beef burger, not okay. Well, our delicious melty cheese has a beef with your beef about beef. Because any step towards plant-forward eating is a step in the right direction. Daya, 100% plant-based, even if you're not. Now made with Daya Oat Cream Blend. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. Joining us now, you know him from all over the Ringer universe, but mainly for being our expert on all things NBA. He is the great Kevin O'Connor. KOC, good to see you, man. Great to see you too, Tate. How you doing? I'm doing well. And uh, before we brought you on the show, KOC, we had a plan. You know what I mean? We're going to talk about certain things. You just put out your seven observations, as you always do. Some great stuff in there. But I got a report from from the Clutch Empire that there is some uh, some breaking trade revelations that are happening, KOC. And I want to start there. Zach Levine has said that he would love to team up with De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento. Um, let's start there. Does that move the needle for you, KOC? Do you think that takes Sacramento to being a, a real contender in the West? I mean, it would be a fast fascinating move because it's certainly an upgrade over Kevin Herter at a mm-hmm. minimum Kevin Herter like as good as he's been in the regular season as a sharpshooter as a good decision maker on that team he's not performed well in the postseason his shooting right. numbers pre- pretty much get cut in half Zach Levine of course has not even been a postseason player so we don't <laughs> know how Zach Levine would perform in the playoffs uh never mind how he would do next to De'Aaron Fox but I think on paper for the Kings, what's interesting there is there also the report attached to it from Sam Amick at The Athletic where he said the Kings don't even really want OG and Anobi from the Raptors and that mm. they would prefer Zach Levine over Pascal Siakam from Toronto. So that made me think about their vision for the team. And, and if that's exactly the case, that makes me think that they do want to upgrade above everything else the herder spot on the team. And Zach Levine, it makes sense on paper. 
with the shooting he can provide. He can provide secondary creation. He can be used in dribble handoffs with the Monta Sabonis. He does fit, and he's better than Herder. So I think that if he's available for the right price, sure, go for it. And you don't have to give up like a ton of future first-round draft picks to do it either because he makes so much freaking money. Yeah, right. And if you bring in, uh, you know, a Siakam or an OG Ananobi, right, then you have a Harrison Barnes issue, which was a guy that's a leader on the team, someone that would probably be impacted by that sort of decision. So if you bring in someone like Zach Levine, I think that uh, that would be a nice upgrade. And it's good to hear that the clutch family can stay together. You know what I mean? Fox is a clutch <laughs> guy, probably one of their most important clutch guys. So um, that that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, another name to keep an eye on in the trade market um, as uh, things are starting to develop here in the NBA is Laurie Markkinen, uh, who's been a revelation since he went to the Utah Jazz. And KOC, I saw a report today that said the 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 number for him to get him to come to your team is around five draft picks. We saw Rudy Gobert set the market. What is the best case scenario trade for Laurie Markkinen, and, and where does he kind of fit in? What team do you think he best fits in? in? Yeah, I, th- I think I think that report I had today was about how like it's five-ish. Might be mm. four. Might, might be three in a player. But I think right. Utah would ex- would look for something similar to what they got for Rudy Gobert or for Donovan Mitchell. And that's mm. the Danny Ainge way. Ask for a lot and maybe you end up getting a little bit less than that. But ultimately, the Jazz don't want to trade Lowry. So the best case scenario for him might be the Oklahoma City Thunder for Lowry Markkinen. They're a young team. They fit his timeline. They're on the up and up. They need a player with his skill set. And plus for the Thunder... They have so many future first-round draft picks and second-round draft picks that they could give five and still have more future first-round draft picks than virtually every team in the rest of the NBA. So for Oklahoma City, you have this team that is way better than anybody could have anticipated. Even our own boss, Bill Simmons, who did a whole podcast on them about about them being at the sleeper with me earlier this year. Like nobody could have seen them be this great where SGA is an MVP level candidate and Chet Holmgren looks like an all defensive team caliber player and your roster's loaded. Mark Dagnall, potential coach of the year. Yes, OKC should be aggressive. So that's the best fit for marketing. And you got two GMs there, right? That uh, that, that might be a standoff, unlike anything we've ever seen. Kind of oh, an yeah. old guard, new guard, Presty, Ainge, both those guys trying to win the trade, right? I mean, you can win the headlines, but will you win on the basketball court? Um, before we talk about and dive into OKC quickly, I have seen some reports that the Golden State Warriors, you know, who have been trying to piece it together, they might be a team that would look for Laurie Markkinen to upgrade their roster, kind of a la the Kevin Love, Clay Thompson trade that we saw about a decade ago that didn't actually end up going through. Do we? think that Golden State could make a big splash move like that and go for someone like Markkinen or is that just more uh, you know fodder that's in you know just in the ether more so than reality the Warriors do make sense for Markkinen he's the type of guy who like with that feel for the game the ability to cut and move off ball and relocate for threes like just imagine Lowry Markkinen in a two-man game with Stephen Curry like that could be beautiful absolutely gorgeous to watch the question is is can the Warriors be the team that makes an offer that meets the threshold that the Jazz want. They have their future first-round draft picks. They have young players like Kaminga and Moody. I can't see them uh, trading pods in a deal because uh, he's already important to that rot- that rotation. But they do have pieces that can make an appealing offer for the Jazz that I think would at least make Danny Ainge listen. 
Yeah, well, we saw uh, Bill Simmons, you mentioned our boss, he was talking to Cousin Sal about the NBA during NFL season. So Sal did not want to hear this conversation, but he brought up the idea of SGA being an MVP in the league right now, averaging 31 points per game. He did that last season as well, but now he's on a team that's 16-8, and um, that looks like a true contender. Uh, What is the ceiling if OKC is able to bring in a guy like Laurie Markkinen? Are we we talking like NBA title type team? I mean, that's what it looks like from the outside looking in. I do think the Thunder have finals potential if they make one more move that puts them over that edge. They already as is. You have Shea Gildas Alexander, who's a top five MVP candidate. Even if he doesn't win it, he's going to be all NBA again. You have Chet Holmgren, who deserves consideration to be in an all defensive team. And you have one of the best GMs with the most assets out of anybody in the league and Sam Presti. So if he makes the right move and pulls the right trigger on one or two deals, maybe three small ones, maybe just one. The Thunder could be a team that is suddenly, oh, wait a minute, they're actually in this. They're not just a good young team. They're actually contending for a final. So, yes, they they are on that championship bubble right now. Yeah, and you got Kaysen Wallace, right, who's a guy mm. who's very talented coming off the bench, who's shown some, you know, some signs of uh, defensive capabilities that we didn't even really showcase or highlight heading He's into like, the Drew Holiday, Tate! I know, right. They look the part, Already. Casey. <laughs> I like this team. I like what the OKC is doing. And uh, the more that I watch them, the more that I start to believe. And you even had Trey Mann right after the game the other day. He wears number 23. said his favorite player was Michael Jordan. And it was a blessing that he ended up playing with Michael Jordan. And he obviously was referencing SGA. <laughs> so uh, there's some good stuff going on in OKC right now. And uh, shout out to Tyler Parker. I'm sure he's very happy about that. One last thing uh, when we talk about contenders. Let's talk about the Phoenix Suns here. Um, let's do a super team update. Um, Devin Booker's playing some of the best basketball we've seen him play in his career but it just feels like they are not able to get everybody on the court at the same time and get this team sort of rolling where do where do the Suns stand right now and how do we feel about their potential to actually be a title contender this season with Phoenix I think that the number one thought that I have with them right now is well this was the concern it was health Mm -hmm. KD is 35 years old with an extensive injury history. Bradley Beal has recently suffered injuries, and he can't seem to get back in the court with the back injury and now the ankle injury. So this was the concern. Can you get all three of those guys healthy? With that said, it's a long year. The team has been very, very good with both Booker and KD on the floor. They've been great with even just Booker on the floor. They've been very good with just KD on the floor. The, the issue for them right now is getting Beal back and and – being productive in those minutes where you don't have either of Katie or Booker. And it's about getting your defense better. Beal doesn't help there. That still is going to be a concern, but they, they didn't build their team to be a defensive team. They built it to be an offensive juggernaut. And you can't be that until you get the guy that you heavily invested in and Beal. So in, in some senses, this is exactly what everybody worried about. But on the other side of it, like, I also just want to wait until we actually see Beal, Katie, and Booker play more than 24 minutes together to actually properly assess this team of what they imagine it to be. And Kevin Durant right now, I mean, 35 years old, but he doesn't look it. He looks great. Oh. He looks like he's fully in form, playing at that level, top 10 player, top five player, whatever you want to say. So that is encouraging. But they are in a win-now timeline, right? So is there any chance that Phoenix makes some moves before the trade deadline, or are they just going to wait and see? Maybe maybe guys off the waiver wire. Yeah, I mean, they better be hoping for some waivers because you look at their current asset collection they have none no rights to any of their future picks they have like a a handful of second round picks from other teams they their best player asset on the team is Nasir Little who all due respect I like Nasir Nasir Little he's a a solid role player (laughs) 
but he's a solid role player and he's not right. a guy who's going to get you anything significant in a trade. So for Phoenix, they don't have a lot of wiggle room. Waiver wire is going to be exactly as you said, Tate, what, what they end up going for. Well, there you go. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Lakers and the Celtics, of course. here with Kevin O'Connor and we are talking NBA and let's start with Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers you and I both live in LA we know the conversations people are getting excited about AD's play let's start there how great has he been this season and how encouraging is that for the Lakers and you know all their faithful fans out there in Los Angeles I mean AD's been dominant on a nightly basis on the defensive end of the floor like there's no doubt about him he's a defensive player of the year candidate we saw him do what he did in the in-season tournament against the Pacers where he had just a monstrous two-way performance and, mm-hmm. and that's the thing with ad the offensive ability is kind of the cherry on top for what you know you're going to get from him every night on defense with his versatility offensively he comes and he goes i think that's always going to be the case with ad but one of the things that's been an interesting trend for him this year that i kind of really you know caught my eye in the in-season tournament is his post-up play. They don't post him a a ton, but still one of his most frequent offensive half-court possessions. He's averaging 1.2 points per post-up this season. That's a career high for him by far. So I think for the Lakers, he feels a bit more versatile from the post this year. It's a small sample size statistically, but I do wonder if that's something that's going to be kind of a, a, a cure for them in the half court when sometimes they sputter at times, maybe just throw it down to 80 and see if you can continue getting that elite level production out of them. Cause it's a good start so far. So a trend to monitor. Yeah, I saw Darvin Ham before the year, and I think we all saw this. He said he would love Anthony Davis taking six threes a game, and there was a conversation about Anthony Davis kind of being this three-point threat, but it, it seems like based on the numbers, he's almost reverted to being a post threat, which is, you know, maybe the best version of himself from the post. Um, do we learn anything, like, from this team, from the in-season tournament, that we can forecast what it looks like once we get to the playoffs? Do we think, like, um, if Anthony Davis can get back to that level and stays healthy, like, this means that they are a contender in the West, um, just in general? I do think so, Tate. I mean, like, we saw them play different styles of defense. The game plan they came yep. at Indiana with, like, pressuring him, blitzing him basically all game long, having Anthony Davis come out to the perimeter and, and with Cam Reddish with the on-ball pressure. And then you had LeBron James playing outstanding help defense as the low man, helping at the rim, making it hard on Miles Turner on rolls to the basket. I think that that defensive game plan showed their ability to be adaptable. It showed their ability to play different styles and for the players to execute at a high level. And with L.A., you look at the way they are as of now with their roster, they're a team that has a move to make as well. They have their future first-round draft pick that they can deal. They have Jalen Hood-Shafino, a rookie, on the bench. They have Max Christie as well. They have some young players with value that I could see a, a team that's willing to trade away a veteran willing to receive so I think for LA there's there's another move or two to make to further bolster this roster that they already have 
And is Gabe Vincent going to be a guy that comes in and, and takes his team to another level? So that's something to monitor as well. Obviously, played great in the playoffs last year. When we talk about the Lakers, we inevitably have to talk about the Boston Celtics. These are the two biggest brands in basketball. This is just the way things are. Let's talk about the Celtics. Jalen Brown, um, I don't know what the Orlando Magic did to him, but uh, he does not <laughs> like the Orlando Magic. Looked incredible the other night. There's been some smoke that the Celtics are also looking to make a deal potentially for someone like Isaiah Stewart there in Detroit, who's kind of locked in a place that it doesn't seem like they can get out of the abyss. Where are we at with the Celtics? How do we feel about this team? And do you think that they need to make a deal to get this team over the hump to win a championship? I don't think Boston needs to make a deal. Uh, like We've seen some of their younger guys come off the bench and, and perform well. Sam Howells is one of the better shooters in basketball. Yep. Kata, uh, their backup center, came in the other night. He's setting hard screens, rolling hard to the basket, playing solid defense. They have some quality talent on that roster. I would not trade for Isaiah Stewart. I think he's redundant with what they have. The big X factor is Chris Tapp's Porzingis. If he can stay healthy, the Celtics, as currently constructed, are a finals team, if not the finals favorite. He is such a dominant two-way force within that system where he's not the main guy. If they have him, they're a finals contender, but health is always a concern with KP. We saw how they dipped uh, productively when he was out earlier this month, so they need Porzingis. That's the key even if they do make a move. Yeah, and I saw O'Shea Brissett the other day was talking about the Celtics' second unit is better than many teams' first unit, and I don't know if that was a shout at the Detroit Pistons or what, but uh, <laughs> that there's something to be said there about this Celtics team. And on Christmas Day, um, that is when the NBA takes center stage and we all watch basketball, and it feels like the general fans come in and start learning about these teams. We get Lakers-Celtics um, on Christmas Day. Is there something in this game, like is this a statement game for LeBron and AD or maybe even for the Celtics to send to the world to say, this is why we're the NBA favorites? What are you looking for? forward to on Christmas Day between these two I, I think with these teams it's just the fact that we get to see LeBron James still uh, at this age nearly 40 years old on national TV against the Boston Celtics and it's another chapter of this great you know many many decades long rivalry as long as the NBA has ever been around like it's it's great that throughout different uh, generations we've always had a Celtics Lakers rivalry and I think having like one of the greatest players of all time on the Lakers side be part of the Lakers franchise go against Boston is just cool for young fans to get to to experience with their families KOC where can we find all your amazing work at the ringer and then we'll let you get out of here uh, head over to the ringer.com and my podcast is the mismatch we're on twice a week tuesdays and fridays with chris vernon and i i love it fun season in the nba a lot of good games ahead christmas day will be a lot of fun koc thanks for being on the show man looking forward to it uh, with christmas day games man it's gonna be great thanks tate Thanks to Cousin Sal. Thanks to Kevin O'Connor for coming on the show. Always have a good time when those guys come through. And uh, if you're, you know, watching the show, then get ready because on Friday we will be back with another edition of Through the Ringer. We'll have Nora and a special guest talking NBA Christmas Day games. That is Howard Beck. So it's going to be a fun show. Excited to have that. And uh, watch Cousin Sal's winning weekend as well. So uh, stay tuned in on all things FanDuel TV. And again, we will see you on Friday here at Through the Ringer.